कीर्तन की किसी दाजी गोपाल की जाए पूरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए और भक्त बिंद की जाए और प्रेम आनंद So we're continuing our discussion of the Brahma Vimohan Leela yesterday, as you may recall, we discussed the uh, last part of the 11th chapter, Brahma Vimohan Leela, officially beginning in the 12th chapter of the 10th canto. And uh, we found that uh, that section had relevance uh, to the Brahma Vimohan Leela as a way of um, introducing that uh, section of Krishna's age, the Seish Kumar, the last part of his, his childhood, which uh, the Brahman Lila is also about. It, it's also about it in a, in a special sense. Hmm? We'll get to that. Um, but uh, for example, uh, the buildup, uh, the inter well, introduction to his Seish Kumar in general, having come from Mahavan to Vrindavan, um, beginning to herd calves, um, and so forth, which is central to the Kumar Leela, the last part of the Kumar Leela, I should say. And um, we found that Krishna began to deal with uh, 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 disconcerting elements, um, that ostensibly are the uh, arrangement of Kamsa <clears throat> um, by way of sending his henchmen in disguises and so forth uh, with the attempt to, to, uh, to slay child Krishna. I say ostensibly because, uh, and we'll see this in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, the, um, there are other reasons for the appearance of such persons, such uh, demonic uh, influences. And over, in an overarching sense, um, 
the reason is that Krishna's Aishwarya Shakti, that means that although he's in his Madhurya, his sweetness, his intimacy, his Mugda, that we discussed yesterday, his seemingly ordinary uh, disposition rather than godly, omniscient disposition, uh, still that uh, omniscience is, is there within him. It doesn't leave. It's a subset, as I've explained, the Aishwarya of his Madhurya. Mm. And it's not the other way around. So again, as we discussed yesterday, Krishna, Narayan, Krishna is like Narayan, but Narayan is not like Krishna. Mm -hmm. Krishna has the majesty of Narayan if he wants to show it. Mm -hmm. uh, but Narayan doesn't have the sweetness of Krishna. Should we like to show it? So <clears throat> Zaifarya Shakti of Krishna is itching have a role in his, his, his sweet leela. So from time to time, the, the opening comes. So the opening, uh, we can say, rather than just comes ascending, ostensibly that's the reason Bhatsasur, Aishvarya Shakti is arranging for this to happen so that Krishna's majesty can be shown as it had not been previously, hmm? um, in this sense, in the form of Krishna directly expressing uh, the, the, the powers to defeat uh, these, uh, these demons and that before the eyes of the cowherds who in Satyras very much relish the quality of Krishna's, um, uh, uh, his heroics, his heroism, which they very much identify with themselves. This, this quality is an Udipana or excitement for their rasa. They're always in sakirasa, but certain things happen, certain thing, certain elements of the uh, within the Leela upon coming to the fore, bring that sakiras to the uh, inherent in them to, to the front, so to speak. It's part of, I should say, that Udipan is part of what mixing with the Stayibhav causes it to blossom into, into rasa. You follow me? So, I mean, everyone, every father loves their daughter, goes without saying, let's say. But if she should be away and he comes home and sees her shoes at the door, then he gets excited. It stimulates his, his staibav of Vatsalya for his daughter. So, so Udipanas, they were something like this, right? So this heroism of Krishna is an Udipana for Sakirasa. And to bring it out, Aishwarya Shakti plays a role. So this is looking at it from, from an internal perspective. And yes, Kams is there externally. That is a superficial thing, right? It's not of much consequence. There's never really any challenge to Bhagavan. But in the drama, it appears to be. So, so we saw... Krishna defeated uh, the Vatsasur, um, um, a demon magically uh, appearing in the form of a calf, pretty good disguise, and early Krishna, Krishna's early calf herding, uh, but he recognized him amongst millions and millions of calves, right? picked him out, pointed him out to Balaram, and dealt with him. And he dealt with him in a way that, as I said, he's never dealt with previously in the, in the Prakat Leela. So this was astounding to the boys, but he did it also in a way that 
that slightly reduced his role in it by just appearing as if he's pulling on the tail of a cow, of a calf, which is not uncommon for Krishna to do, and, and turning her around and, and suddenly a wonderful thing happened. So it looked like he did something wonderful, but then again, I mean, and they didn't report it back home for reasons I mentioned also. But what this is followed by, as we heard, is the slaying of Bakasura. And the point here of Bakasura's appearance at this time in the Leela is in no uncertain terms. Now, Bakasura is kind of a segue from what happened in, 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 in Gokul and in Mahavan, how Krishna sucked the breast of Putana. She just happened to die, it would appear, right? It didn't look like he did any, anything wonderful overtly. Same with the Shakatasur, Trinabharta, Yamalarjun trees, as we explained, and so forth. So Vatsasur is kind of a pivot now. It's, it's, it's his turn. Looks like he, he directly, did he do that? Hmm? And then Bakasur officially, ostensibly, overtly, hmm? He was devoured by the beak of, of Bakasur and caused him to spit him out and split his beak and, and his pretty extraordinary uh, feet on his beheart, hit on his part. Such a, you know, he's just a, just a, a Kumar. Hmm? So um, uh, this is, a, now we're building up, we're going to the August, in the Agasur Lila, which is coming in the chapter first chapter of the Brahma Mimohan Leela. As we said yesterday, well, the boys just marched right in. They're convinced with the slaying of Bakasura, Krishna has powers. Just like Garga Muni said, Narayan does wonderful things to him, so we have nothing to fear. So this lead up, this uh, uh, the last part of the previous chapter is kind of an introduction uh, to the spirit and the mood. The, the, but the chapter ends with a verse that we didn't get to, and I want to cite it today because it's significant. And this is the 59th verse of the 11th chapter. Evam viharai kumarai kumaram jahatur braje nilanai setubandrayer markato plavanadi bihi. So we heard that uh, Nanda Maharaj and the other elders, they figured out, uh, they, they kind of sorted out, they heard about the slaying of Bakasur, and they thought, well, you know, must be the arrangement of God. You know, he must have been evil, and he got his karma, and Krishna was just the instrument that, through which God uh, uh, gave him his due hmm, uh, reward for some evil deed that he must have performed in the past. And Krishna's special, because out of all of the boys, millions and millions of them, he alone, was the instrument to which God uh, slayed this evil person and uh, he, his due reward, his punishment was received for who, who knows how abominable of uh, what demonic things he must have done in the past. After all, attacking a child is pretty bad in the present, right? So Krishna's wonderful is the point. But, yeah. With a caveat, with a footnote. He's wonderful, but I mean, he's really just our son. This is the mood in Braj. And so um, 
having sorted that out, then uh, the, the, as the residents, as the text explains, having sorted that out, the text concludes this chapter, I should say, with this verse. And here it's in this way, evam biharai komarai. The bihara means lilas, pastimes, the fun, the, the sport um, of his kumar, his childhood age, kumarai kumaram jatu. Jatu, jahatu means he refers to Krishna and Balaram, so the two of them. It, verses say their kumara came to an end. Their kumar pastimes came to an end. Uh, and then it gives a kind of an overview refresher of what the nature of those pastimes was, was like. Nilanai setu bandar that they setu um, bandar they built bridges in the in the in the uh, uh, in the in the, in the, in the in the river, in the, in the creeks, uh, and so forth, and they played Ram Leela, hmm? like Hanuman, building building a uh, a bridge across the the, the uh, Indian Ocean, Talanka, and so forth. They sported like this. It is said they uh, marketed. They they imitated the monkeys, hmm? glabbing on their tails and climbing in the, in the trees and so forth. Um, and they did Nilana. Uh, Nilan, this refers to kind of a hide and seek. They played hide and seek. So, in an overview, it cites a few things to give, uh, to, to refresh what type of play they experienced in their uh, Kumar Leela in the context of, or on the pretext of herding calves. Remember, this playing was, was central, but the calves themselves were assistants in facilitating. Right um, now, the, the curious thing about this verse, of course, is that it appears again exactly at the end of the fourteenth chapter. We're going into the Brahma Vimohan Leela, chapter twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. So, in chapter twelve, we'll hear how Krishna decided uh, uh, to um, go on a picnic. How his friends came with him. The cows came to his home. Then they. They entered the forest and so forth, and um, and how they got lost in their play to such an extent that they forgot about eating, and so Lila Shakti brought Agasur hmm, to bring them back down to earth. Yeah. This is again uh, this Aishwarya Shakti playing a role that is more uh, directly uh, an understanding of, of what's going on in Lila rather than comes the things he's sending, but actually uh, Krishna's Aishwarya Shakti is playing Rosa Hagasura comes and so on and so forth. He gets, uh, uh, attains Mukti, the hands of Krishna, and the boys are just about to sit down for lunch. And lunch comes, the picnic comes, which starts in 12 in chapter 13. And Brahma comes, the gods are amazed at what how Krishna liberated Agasura and Brahma comes and so on and so forth. Thirteenth chapter, Brahma Krishna shows Brahma what is Sakiras and uh, and shows him also the tattva. What is the bhava? Hmm? 
that he's interested in in all its details, the rasa, the ideal of sakiras, and what is the principal underlying tattva, which we've discussed, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, why it's important. He's coming, Brahma, from uh, a realm where it's thought that Vaikuntha is, is, the, is the ultimate goal. And again, there's a planet above that, a realm above that, called Goloka. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is, is uh, emphasized among other reasons for this for this reason to make this point because for those of you who weren't here yesterday and maybe cooking if krishna is just an avatar of narayan then he doesn't have his own abode and the pastime of krishna that narayan shows is not one that you can enter into and become a gopa or a gopi within and so forth but if krishna is the source of narayan and he has to have his own unique realm. Hmm? And he does. And he can enter into the leaders there. And those types of rasas you can participate in. Because even if Narayan should show those, as he does sometimes in Vaikuntha, you can't participate in them. All the bhaktas there are in Shantaras or Dasiras. Hmm? So for there to be Sakiras, Vatsaliras, Madhuras. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is required. It's necessary for other reasons for it, but this is a, a prominent one. And of course, the Goswamis thought this out well in a time where they were establishing a lineage at a time in which this wasn't known, understood, or if it was, what does Brahma say? Well, very few rare people know about this. And their task is to tell the whole world. Not without seeking any qualification to tell them such secrets. God has a secret island. Sretadweep, the white island, pure place. Like you hear about some rich man has a as an island in the, in the, off the coast of the Mediterranean. What goes on there? No one can come unless he wants. But he wants. <laughs> it's, a, it's the result now. The overflow of his own reflections on what that place is about. Goloka, that is Gorlila. And so the Goswami's making it available. Incredible um, concept, right? So, point here is that this verse is repeated at the end of the 14th chapter. So, the implication is that what? The implication is that here huh, we conclude the Seish Lila, Seish uh, Kumar Lila discussion, Sugadev is, is saying, basically. But it's not, but uh, Parikshit Maharaj has been very much agitated in a positive way, very much uh, inspired by hearing this. After all, he is a uh, devotee in 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 Dasiras. He's a type of a type of Dasiras. So, in Braj, it's a different type of Dasiras that he has. But the Dasiras of Braj. He'll identify with to some extent, and that rasa is tinged with sakya. Mm -hmm. 
Krishna goes with his friends and Raktak, Patrak, these servants, they also go along carrying you know, items for play and for, for dining on their heads and so forth. And, so he's, he's seeing a, an extension of his own ideal of Dasaras in, 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 in the uh, Krishna's Kumar Leela, where the boys are beginning to go out and, and herd in the forest and so forth. So he's very, he, he wants to hear more about this. So the feeling of, of Parikshit, his eagerness is perceived by Sugadev Goswami. And so he goes on and extends the discussion of the Seish Kumar Leela in a big way. And, and this, this is the Brahma Vimohana, and so big, so extraordinary that when he concludes it, Sugadev himself passes out. He says implicitly, You think you got excited? Holy cow, he passes out. He goes into a trance and loses external consciousness, and Parikshit has to bring him back. It said that, uh, that there was a suspicion on the part, I think, of Janaman Jai, the spokesman's son of Parikshit, that this Sukadev, he's really taken by this. And there's a chance that when we get to the part where he's telling the Leelas of Krishna, he could go unconscious and we could not hear the whole thing. So he made sure that there was a Nardunga and Kartals. Nard was there to bring him out by performing Kirtan every time he passed out. So this, he passes out in the, in the middle of this uh, section of the Bhagavatam where Sakirasa is now exploding onto the, the stage. It's, uh, it's under the lights. Uh, 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 on the, on the, uh, this act is now, you know, uh, front, front and center in the drama of Krishna Lila. <clears throat> so we turn now to that twelfth uh, chapter, hmm? and we introduced it. And yes, I chapter twelve. Hmm? It's described as the luck of being Krishna's companion, which is first and foremost about. Sukadeva will say it here also, just after, we'll go through the first, uh, say, uh, section, it comes to maybe verse 13, where the, 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 a special day in the Sesh Kumar Leela is, is, is described in, just in brief. And the consequences of it, Krishna going cow herding, picnicking, taking uh, their, their lunch with them, a description further of the nature of that, that play and so forth, and Sugadev's marveling at it. The Punya Punja. What is the name? What who are these people that they could be so intimately associated with Bhagavan? Um, So we have the, the luck, I guess that's what we'll discuss today. This first section we call it the good fortune of being, of having attain, to attain such a position. Hmm? 
that uh, exceeds all other known possibilities um, it, within transcendence, past like yoga and gyan and bhakti, vaidhi bhakti. Uh, or to speak of Brahmasayuja merging with Brahman, other transcendental achievements, and so forth. Uh, Sukadev basically says these people are, it's blowing my mind who they are, how they got here, what kind of. So the, the descriptions, we have to think what they did to Sukadev. You heard of what they're doing to Parikshit Maharaj, but they're doing it to Sukadev also. So his reflections on this, he takes a breather after 12, 12 verses. And then at the end, I believe of the 13th chapter, he passes out. So, and who is Sukadev Goswami? Uh, you mentioned this yesterday. What was his position? He's a Jivan Mukta. Hmm? He's, he's situated in At At Atmananda. He's. Uh, what is the word? Atmaram Bhagavatam describes him. Same, same thing. He has no attraction to anything in the world. He's fully um, self-sufficient. If you want to preach about self-sufficiency, we've got the ultimate in that, right? To rely upon the self alone and understand its independence of the body-mind complex. What will such a person take? He will take nothing from the world. To stop taking is part of loving. But there's more. And of course, the Bhagavatam verses that he heard from his father who sent them with a woodcutter to find his son, Sukadev in the forest, let him hear these verses. This then is the, uh, this is the, the other, he gave. Love is about not taking, but it's about giving. Where will I give? There's nowhere to give anything to. Everything is here today and gone tomorrow. And there's only me. Anatma. That if I look closely at it, it's like Brahman, which is everywhere. So there's a sense of no other. So where's the possibility of the full face of love, giving something which requires a significant other. So love becomes diminished in one sense, in the form of knowing and being unto itself, self-satisfied, not taking, expressed as universal compassion. Interestingly enough, of course, that universal compassion on the part of a jnani or let's say a Buddhist, is what is most attractive to everyone. Mm -hmm. the, the, the compassionate emphasis of the Dalai Lama in Tibetan Buddhism exceeds that emphasis found, which is to some extent, but exceeds it as it's found in other forms of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. This is a real central to Tibetan Buddhism. And for that and other reasons, but it's it's much more popular because love is what drives everyone everyone's driving moving searching for cannot rest until they find love right so but this 
is this world compassion, universal compassion, is just a shadow of the love of bhakti rasa. You have to pass through that. And Vaishnavas are compassionate. But bhakti rasa, that is another thing altogether. So you, you, that you have to hear from Bhagavatam and from such Vaishnav sampradayas, but from Bhagavatam and Gaudi sampradaya, in a very extraordinary way. Hmm? You might hear about it from Ramanuja. Maybe. <laughs> it's there. But the full face of Prem, hmm? that's why all other Vaishnav Sampradayas, what do they say is their goal? What is their goal in a word? Mukti. Hmm? And what is our ours in two words? Prem Prayojan. Prem Prayojan. <laughs> Krishna Prem. That's right. Prem Prayojan. Prem. Hmm? It's a different goal. It is Panchama Purusharta. Fifth goal. Right? It, is, it is beyond Mukti. Hmm. That is. The sages will pass out at such a thought, as did Sukadev. And, he, and then he is passing out hmm? as he comes further to consider what he's heard from Vyas. He heard the Bhagavatam Vyas, he's considering that and reiterating that now in the form of Bhagavad Kirtan to Parikshit Maharaj. And so when you hear it, and then when you speak about it, that speaking about it solidifies that which you've heard. So it's like really entering his heart. That's why, Sanatana Goswami says, in the course of narrating the Bhagavatam, and in, incidentally, the section of the Bhagavatam that, is the, that constitutes the Sakirasa center of the Bhagavatam, later on in the Kaliya Leela, so, no, in, in the Denakasur Leela, excuse me, at the end of it, Sanatana Goswami attains Sarupsiddhi. He sees himself in that uh, he enters into, I should say, a, a internal form suitable for being a participant in what he's talking about. He's talking about it, witnessing it, going in and going out, and he attains Swarup City at the end of the Denikasu Lila, when Krishna starts to, for the first time in Bhagavad Lila, Bhagavad Kata experience Purvarag, coming home from cow herding. At that time he is, uh, he is uh, he's just becoming a Kishore. He's passed through now Poganda, even just entering into Kishore and his romantic heart. He sees the gopis waiting for him. Subhal says, look at her up there in the moon tower. They're able to exchange glances without expressing themselves. So like this, this is Bhuvarag, kind of a separation, even in the presence of young lovers who are yet unable to express their love for one another. And it uh, works wonders on Sukadev, right? So when he stops and reflects on something as he does here in this first part, should take note. You may not be able to draw so much from it. Hmm? 
may sound well, it's interesting, but how Sukadeva is reacting to it this is very important. From that, we should think there's this is what this is doing to him. It's not doing it to me. Of course, I'm not a, like him, Ajiva Mukta, but it has the capacity to bring me to such a stage and more as it is for Sukadeva. Sukadeva's heart was pure, so he could hear these things and, understand, and repeat them and have the epiphanies that he did. But for us, of course, bhakti will come, the narrative will come, and it serves primarily in the beginning as a means to cleanse the heart. Mm -hmm. The extent the heart is cleansed, then it will have the decorating will go on, the bhava will come. So first, Chaito Dharpana margin, and then the other stages developed from that as described in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Shikshastakam. So, Sri Sukha Uvacha, Brahma Mimohan Lila narrative begins. Kachit Banashaya Manodatat Prajat Pratasamutaya Bayasya Vatsapan Prabhodhayan Tringa Ravena Chadana Vinirgato Vatsa Purahsarohari. So he says, what Jesus Sukha Goswami. Sukadeva Goswami says that Kachit. Uh, so he's, he says, well, you want basically saying, if you want to hear more, there was another day I can tell you about. And yeah, there this is extraordinary, is Sesh Kumar Leila. Now that you now that you mention it, so to speak, speaking to Sukadeva, Brikshit's heart, who wants to hear more, I can tell you something more. Oh, this will take time. Hmm. It would take about three chapters here, he says. But okay, here we go. On another day, once, Gwajid, Vanasya Manodadat Prajat. So, on another day, or once upon a time, Vanasya Manodadat. It came in the mana of the mind of uh, Krishna. In his mind came the idea. We have been, as we heard in the previous chapter, we have been going out just a little ways into the forest. We've been having our breakfast, then going out and coming back for lunch. Each day, we trying to go out a little further. The day that Bakasura was playing, we went out a little further still. And Pushing like this, the thought comes in his mind, let us go out and never come back. Such is the forest. But we have to bring our lunch with us. We have to bring the take, it has to be a picnic. This is the spirit of these boys. In that forest, every day they make a pledge to one another, we will never return. And every day they return. <laughs> And every day they make, make they never return. Such as the enchantment mm -hmm. and excitement of the of the of the of the the the, uh, the forests of Brudge. What I mean, what could go on there? There could be a bakasur around the corner, an agasur around the corner, or just the natural beauty of that place, as we said, how the seasons can. Uh, one season can exhibit, uh, you, you can see trees 
in the forest of Brudge, in which, let's take a mango, in which there is a mango and a branch and a bud and a flower and an unripened fruit and a fruit. All the, all the stages appearing on the tree at the same time. So it's a magical, magical place. And you can imagine for the minds of young boys, how captivating that could be when they're in their most adventurous stage of life, where you're, you're, you're gonna make magic out of things that otherwise people don't see as such. And so they have the Brindaban forest, the, the, the 12 forest of Brudge, and there's it's a large area to move within, right? And the river Jamuna, the mysteries of the caves of Govardhan and so on and so forth. So Krishna's excited. So in his mind comes the this idea, we will go on a picnic. And the implication is that he got this idea and he discussed it with everyone, his friends, that is, including Balaram, and they made a pact. Let's do that tomorrow. We will go, we will stay out all day. And it's as if one boy said, well, we'll let's do it. What we'll eat, we'll, we'll bring lunch with us. So this was the plan. And you can imagine with such a plan as they returned and then each group of boys went to their own homes and took the rest. It was difficult to sleep that night. In Braj, within Sakirasa, there is sleeping. There is obviously waking and sleeping that involves the dream state. But there's no dreamless sleep. In this world, we have Jagrata, Svapna, and Susupti. Waking consciousness, sleeping consciousness in which there's mental content. In the waking stage, we have physical and mental content. In the dream stage of consciousness, we have mental content, but no physical content. That physical content is, is put to rest, mental content. And then there is a deep sleep in which there's no mental content. The implication of this, of course, according to Vedanta is that you exist independent of physical and mental content. Every night you experience it in deep sleep when you're not dreaming, which gives you a very restful feeling that you wake up from and say, oh, I, I rested very well. You remember resting. You cannot remember something that you didn't experience. This is the argument in Vedanta. It's just a way of trying to say that what we are speaking about is something that is not just written in a book, it's drawn from experience. Vedanta's real praman, evidence, is experience. And then the experience is, is, is supported by writing about it or drawing from the sacred texts. So 
if we look at our, they're looking at their experience and drawing certain conclusions. And the conclusion here is, as I said, well, I went to sleep, my waking consciousness was gone. I had dreaming consciousness in which there was mental content, but no physical content. There was an I. And then there was a point where there was no mental content. And the I must have been there because I'm still here. Now I'm in waking consciousness. So I must exist independent of mental and physical content. And the texts say that in so many ways and explain that. But this is a way in which they, th they, th they thought about it by as a sage will do, as an introspective person will do. What, what, what's it all about? Is it just for the moment we live? <laughs> it's a song. Mm -hmm. A movie. Old one. <laughs> uh, so uh, the Rishis, they thought deeply, right? They weren't um, just superstitious people, weren't introspective. It wasn't from a point in a stage in human history where there was no philosophy which is maybe thought to be a modern thing only. The, the, in the Western world, philosophy was born uh, with, uh, with the, uh, as a moving away from thought, deep thought, with regard to the implications of revelation, in this case, the Western revelation, the Bible, the New Testament thought in relation to such revelation. The philosophy was to unhinge thinking from revelation and just let the mind go. What, what, how it could possibly be like, what is the nature of being and world and so on and so forth. So, uh, so in Braj, at any rate, the point is, there is waking consciousness and there is dreaming consciousness but there is no susupti sleepless and the waking consciousness and the dreaming consciousness are all part of neither of those three we experience in the material world jagrat svapna susupti nor the fourth turiya it, it, it just it's a it's a it's a word that means transcendence beyond the deep sleep because deep sleep well you know we're giving an example of how it might be a way of saying hey you know i exist independent of thought and and and, and, and uh, mental and physical uh constraints and and it's peaceful get away from your your body and its problems, well, and your thoughts could be pretty peaceful, restful. So I exist independent of body and mind, and that state is, is state of consciousness is restful, it's peaceful. Shanti, shanti, shanti. It's the end of suffering. There's no suffering there. Suffering is arising in the mind as the Gita says, it's all in your mind. Because 
if you suffer physically, but your mind is not turned on, you won't know it. Only when the mind is connected to the senses, when the senses are connected to an object that's giving it pain or pleasure, will we experience pain or pleasure, which is a qualitative thing, not a quantitative physical thing. Qualitative thing. So it appears in the mind. Yoga perspective. So where is suffering? It's all in the mind. So turn off the mind. Stop the mind. Stop it from thoughts about things. That's a recipe for suffering. Thoughts about things that I wish I had. Thought about thoughts about things that I wish I could get rid of. Talk about things, thought about things I wish I could have more of. Thoughts about things that I hope I don't lose. All this is just causing suffering in the mind. Hmm? So, in as much as deep sleep is a glimpse, let us say, of the, of the, of the fact that there is a state of consciousness that's free from suffering, that's independent of the mental and physical uh, boundaries that we presently, presently find ourselves within. That's susupti. But the problem is, of course, you come out of susupti when you wake up. Susupti on a macrocosmic, in a macrocosmic sense is what? Is the enfolding of the world back into the Mahavishnu. Susupti. It's similar to Brahma Suja, merging with Brahman. The heterogeneity of, reverses into homogeneity. All the jivas, their individuality uh, based on karma is suspended and they're just restful there. But again, it happens, right? The world comes out and the karma comes to arrest us and divide us and put us at odds with one another. Such as the waking state. In a waking state, we are at odds with one another. In the dream state, we have some symbolic representation of what the world is like or, could, or possibilities that exist beyond the physical world. Hmm? Possibilities in the dream world, in the mental world, far exceed those in the physical world. Property to say you can have in the physical world gold and you can have a mountain, but in the mind, you can have a gold mountain. Right? Don't think, by the way, that the dream state of consciousness is less real than the waking state. They are just different states of consciousness. Of course, we think like that, because in the waking, we think the waking state is real. It's really uncomfortable is what it is. That's what's real about it. What's real about it is that it, doesn't, it won't satisfy the self, that's for sure. The self doesn't fit within it. It fits better for that matter, in the world of the mind, where there are more possibilities. Hmm? The mind is, in a sense, closer to the self, although categorically different, being subtle in nature hmm? and quasi-subjective compared to the gross and objective nature of the, of, of the physical world, hmm? that we're, we're, where everything's real, right? What makes it real? that it lasts a little longer than something does in a dream? How long? How much more long is a year, two years, 10 years, 100 years? Hmm? From a few, a few seconds in a dream 
Well, you say a lot longer, but on what scale? How long is existence? It has no beginning, it has no end. What's a hundred years? So how real is the, is, is, the, is the waking state? This is one of the criteria by which we determine it's more real than the dream state because you can hold on to it. It lasts longer. No, it's temporary, just like everything in the dream state. <laughs> but in the dream state, in the mental realm, then there's more possibilities, the possibilities of the, of the devas and so forth. This is all mind stuff, hmm? subtle realms. You know, there's a, there's a uh, from a materialistic point of view, a current and compelling, credible theory that human beings, our human life is but a, what do they call it? A computer simulation. 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 The implication of which is, well, somebody's got the computer and somebody's doing a simulation and uh, pull in the strings. And there's nothing in, in evolutionary theory, modern evolutionary theory, that says that human beings should be able to know everything. Ants, we think, don't know everything. See a lot of them here. They don't know what your foot is when it comes down, no one steps on them. They know there's something there, but they know it's a foot, it's a human being, and they think like this, and they act like this, and have all these powers, and so forth. We think that doesn't come to the, the ant's mind. I think we're right about that. Mm -hmm. So we may have the human, you know, the hubris to think that we are the humans. We know more than the ants and, and plants and animals, and so on and so forth. We're the gods on earth, if you will. And there's nothing beyond ourselves, but if we, if we but if we're a simulation, obviously there, there's there's something beyond ourselves. Hmm? Right? Of course, this is the teaching in Vedanta. So they're the gods, the goddesses. They're existing. We could say to use a kind of modern term, mind stuff, and we hardly know anything about mind. The most advanced sciences for exploring the mind are. Well, psychology, they don't tell us anything about what the mind is. They just talk about different states of it and how to edit them. And it's pretty crude, actually. It's so crude that in previously, and now it's changing, but it has changed. In the previous years, all these, whether you, well, psychology, sociology, the humanities, these are all soft sciences, they call them now. But the previous that they weren't even thought to be scientific at all, only the hard sciences, right? So, so, so what, do, what do we know about mind and the possibilities there? And again, as I said the other day, if someone can sit and control the mind, Maybe they know something about it more than you could get in through a doctorate of uh, uh, psychology. Now, he or she who has control of the mind may not know how to edit it in ways to function 
in different societies and cultures at different times. It's, it's, it's just like not what he or she's interested in about the mind. They're interested in what the mind is and seeing it as a vehicle through which by uh, applying it in relation to spiritual dis discipline, it can be a friend, as the Gita says. It can be the enemy of the jiva. It can be the friend. Mastering it, this is central to yoga. So there's some, there's some knowledge then, kind of comprehensive knowledge about the mind that can be arrived at by this discipline of, of um, yoga sadhana. And there's evidence uh, uh, to support objective evidence that uh, it's under control and understood in a way that transcends the, the, the limits of the Freudian, Jungian, or whatever it is now, psychological perspective, which again, isn't about what the mind is. Now they try to say what the mind is and it's just the brain, but they're not getting anywhere with that, right? And so, and by understanding the mind, well, let's say understand something about consciousness, that they are consciousness. Again, they're independent of the mind. So, so, um, we have the waking state, we have the dreamy state, we have the dreamless state of consciousness. We all experience it. The dreamless state is, tells us something about the self, but it's temporary. Mm -hmm. This is a microcosmic perspective. On the macrocosmic perspective, that dreamless state, Susupi, is the whole world enfolding back into Vishnu, right? then coming out again. Mm -hmm. But there's a fourth state of consciousness, and that is called Turiya, which is called the fourth. Because we can talk about the mind. We can talk about the body. Hmm? What can we say about a, a self that transcends the body and mind and therefore is beyond thought, mind, beyond words, body? What can they, to what extent can they do justice, body, words, vocal, mind, thought, to something that transcends it? They can't be the jury to weigh in on it, whether it exists or not. They don't have the credentials. Going the mind returns, Shruti says. From where going, words return. What does is, what is Vedanta Sutra say? Maybe the fourth. Ikshater Nashavdat. Ikshater Nashavdat. Shankar renders it in his commentary about which nothing can be said. Of course, the Gaudis say about which not enough can ever be said. You can never, you cannot capture it by words. That doesn't mean you can't talk about it. In fact, we can't stop talking about it. That, that is the eternal nature of kirtan. It is sadhya, sadhana and sadhya. It is the way and it is the goal itself. So, turiya is the word used in Vedanta, for the fourth state of consciousness, 
beyond mind, beyond word, and beyond the dreamless sleep that is likened to it, but temporary, and therefore categorically different, because it is, it is eternal, eternal resting, turiya. The word turiya is used just as if to say, what can we say about it? It's the fourth. We said a lot of things about, about the, 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 the three, but the fourth. We can say, it's not this and it's not that. It's not the mind, because the mind is this. It's not the body, because the body is this. What is it? It's the fourth state. So this is, you know, you can pass out at such a such an idea. And what I'm saying to you is in, in the Brajlila here, in Krishna's Sakyarasila, we're talking about Krishna and his friends. They went to bed that night, having planned out the idea that came in Krishna's mind, let us have a picnic lunch. Let us stay out all day in the forest. Go beyond the reach of Rohini's call. Come back. I've cooked something very nice for you. Come back. Come back. You showed him my ease waiting for you. Beyond all oversight of parental control. Free to roam the, the, the forests and get in as much trouble as we want. This, 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 this idea came in. You see how this, now the beginning of this, uh, as I said, in, in full, Sakira's center of the Bhagavatam, it's, it's very, it's like exploding on the stage. It comes with a bursting onto the stage. Let us break the rules, so practically. We'll convince Mirsola Mahabha, we're going. A special day. And so going, going to bed that night, how these boys could even sleep at all. But we're talking about their sleep. And what we were saying is that in Goloka, in the Sakirasa, there is waking and there is dreaming, but there's no deep sleep. But the waking and the dreaming are not like the waking and the dreaming here. And they're beyond Turiya. In Turiya, the fourth, there's no, no sleeping. No waking. In Brahman, for example, there's no going to bed at night and waking up. There's no dreaming. Even by Kunta, well, what can we say about by Kunta? It's overtly transcendental. So it's not like the material world where there's waking and dreaming. But in Golok, it is aprakrita. So it's like the material world, but it's aprakrita very different at the same time. So there is waking, and there's waking to consciousness, hurting and playing, for example. There's dreaming consciousness. Dreaming consciousness. I had the good fortune to speak with the Mahant in Mongolgiri, where um, one of the Dwarasagopals, one of the associates of Krishna Balaram, in Gorlila, what is his name? Um, I think maybe Sundarananda. Hmm? You mentioned Sundarananda. Sundarananda. His lineage, hmm? Sakiras lineage, um, 
in the 18th century, middle part of the 1700s, I believe, uh, um, there was a powerful uh, Vaishnava sadhu named Nayanananda Thakur. He wrote um, Preyo Bhakti Rasarnava. Is it? Mm -hmm. Preyo Rasarnava. All about Sakirasa. And the Mahant told me that he used to wander everywhere and give Vilakata about Sakirasa. Mm -hmm. But at one point he came in one region overseen by the royalty there and he was invited to talk and the king asked him tonight, I want you to speak in the assembly Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. And so his Bhagavad Gita was always about Sakirasa, but he had a practice never to speak Bhagavad Gita uh, at night because he thought at night, cowards are sleeping. So I will not speak at night. But the king wanted him to speak. And in those days, you don't disobey the king. So he was in difficulty. So that night he went to sleep, prayed to Gopal Krishna, <laughs> what will I do? And Gopal came to him in a dream and said, no, don't think like that. Because in Sankirasa, in the night, all the cowards are sleeping, but they're dreaming all those leelas hmm? and making up new ones that they'll report to Krishna. Let's do this. Hmm? They're fully active in their dream, so you can speak at night. <laughs> so he was relieved that he began to speak at night about Sakya's leelas. Hmm? So they're sleeping, but there's no dreamlessness. There's no deep sleep for them. Hmm? They don't get that much of a night's rest because they're always dreaming about these these affairs. Pull it up a little bit. Just too close. But the point is this: what that they are experiencing what an an aprakrita version of waking consciousness, an uh, aprakrita. A prakrita. <laughs> a prakrita version of, 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 of dreaming consciousness and no susupti. And this is beyond turiya, peaceful, deep sleep like eternal mukti. It is called Gopala Turiyatitaha in Gopal Thakur. The fifth state, Turiyatita Gopala, fifth, fifth dimension. So it's hard enough to wrap your head around four dimensions, waking consciousness, dreaming consciousness, what the implications of them are and so forth. Deep sleep, as we've talked about, Susupti, Turiya. Now we've been, this is where, this is why Sukadeva is passing out at the end of this, you get that far section. Turiyatita Gopala, Gopala Turiyatita, the fifth dimension. So they could hardly sleep at night, planning, excited about the idea that came in Krishna's mind. Why don't we stay out all day and we'll have a picnic? So this is how this uh, 
is Brahma Vimoha Lila begins. Pratasamutaya Vyasya Vatsapani. So, and he's giving like a synopsis here, just in a few words. So many things are happening, as we see. We, 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 we're explaining, elaborating upon the idea itself and how it affected the other cowherds and so forth. Balaram's in on it. What is we'll here? There's a problem with that. But Pratasamutaya, Vyasya, Vatsapan. So early in the morning, what happened? Out of the ordinary, the point is. So it, it's, it's bringing our attention to this even more. Out of the ordinary day, we just heard the ordinary days of the Seish Kumar Leela. Vatsasur was slain, Bakasur was slain, what kind of sports they played, and so on and so forth. Those were the ordinary days. This is a day out of the ordinary. This is what enables, it tips the scale for Sukadev. And he almost passes out at the end of the first section of this chapter after, after describing it. He's just beginning now. It's almost like he doesn't want to go into detail because he'll just, it'll be too much. He's left that for us to draw, draw out and the Goswamis to expand upon in their Lila Grantas and so forth. So he says what, uh, uh, so, so what, given a special day, Krishna had this plan, therefore Krishna, out of the ordinary, got up early. Hmm? In other words, he doesn't usually get up early. His mother has to come and wake him up. Hmm? But he got up without his mother waking up. And he had busied her from talking to her to the night, night before to be preparing the picnic lunch. And that means that she knows every single cowherd boy. Hmm? And she knows what each one likes the most. This is Mother Masoda. She's preparing that with her assistance. What kind of a picnic is that? And every boy would open their tiffin and their favorite dishes would be there. Hmm? <laughs> so Krishna wakes up. Typically, on a typical day, it's Balaram who wakes up, stands on a raised platform, blows his bugle horn, and all the cowherds are awakened. Balaram blows his horn, and as he blows his horn, the sun knows it's okay to get up. Of course, this is, pertains to the Leela when it's fully played out. In the Aprakat Leela, we, we enter into a section of the Leela where the, what happens in the Prakat Leela has played itself out up to the point where Krishna is about to go to Mathura, but he doesn't go. So all the different Leela Stalis are in place that serve as haunts to revisit throughout the day and remember and talk about and so forth. Keshi has been slain, Radhakund has been established, Gobindakund is there and so forth, established as it is during the Indra, Indra during the Govardhan Leela and so on. Govardhan is manifest for who, who he is and so forth. That's where we enter into the, to the, to the unmanifest Leela. So the romanticism of Krishna is, is in full play. Here now in the Prakatli, this romanticism has not yet come out. Hmm? Neither is, is it within the um, 
the, the ideal derived from impressions that Brahma received from Krishna, right? These are impressions for Sakyarasa. Krishna's not old enough now for all that to come out in Prakat Leela. But the point is that every day from here on out and forever, the norm is that Balaram blows the horn. And the norm is in the full, when the Leela is fully established, so to speak, what? That Krishna is out at night and he has to get back in time to not be caught in relation to his romantic rendezvous. When the sun comes up, it's too late. So the sun waits to come up and to hear Balaram's horn. Oh, no, I can come. He's giving me the cue. Everything. So, so Balaram indirectly participating in this affair. It's okay. You can come now. Hmm? Oh, the sun will rise. So the gods, the sun god with a small g, moving as he does under the direction of the capital G in the form of Savior, Savior and Sevaka. Sevaka Bhagavan, Krishna, who is say, served, and Balaram, who is Bhagavan serving. He was served and setting an example for us. So he blows his horn. Everyone comes. But on this day, Krishna got up, that's the first thing, without being woken up. He blew his horn, which is uh, the, uh, uh, what is it called? Mandanagosha. Uh, Mandanagosha. If you stay here, which you should, and never leave, hmm? we're in the spring season now. Soon there will be flowers everywhere, hmm? in the beginning of January. Hmm? Then it will become warmer, and then flowers will fall from the trees, and the buds will come, and the fruits will start to come. So many fruits hmm? will become drier and hotter. Hmm? And then in April, end of April, beginning of May, the rains will start to come, hmm? right? And then fruits will be everywhere. It's very, everything very lush. And then sometimes it will rain very hard, especially toward the end of the rainy season, maybe September, October. It will rain very hard. And you will hear thunderbolt crashing, shaking your bhajan kutir. Hmm? Just like lightning, like right outside your cabin. Like huge explosion. It's very exciting. This is how Krishna's horn sounds. <laughs> it's called like Mandana Goshi means the sound of thunder. His horn is, is, is actually an, uh, described in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu as an antelope's horn with gold at the front, at the, at the small end, and it blows in, in at, at the large end. Maybe Nilgai, hmm? famous blue deer of, uh, of Vrindavan, that kind of antler. This is his horn. And it has to be loud like that because it has to wake up every cowherd boy all over Praj. Of course, Balaram's does, but Krishna's does as well, and they come on this day. Hmm? And here it said what? Prayodayan Tringa Ravena Charuna. Charuna, it was very, very beautiful, the sound. Hmm? I know it sounded a little shocking as I described the thunder, but it's very beautiful at the same time. Mm -hmm. Very loud, 
explosive, but very, very charming because the impressions that are contained within the horn that he's blowing of love for his friends, wake up, realize what you've been dreaming about. You're in a land where the dead, like I say, the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. We are over the rainbow. We, we are in Turia here. We are beyond the forest. Excuse me, Turiatita, not Turi, beyond Turia. Turiatita, Gopala is my, my, my land, my realm, this Matura Mangdo. Oh, yes, and it has shape. And apparent, it is apparently delimited. It means it has a certain geography. It's this long, it's this wide, it's this round, and so forth. But we'll see as the narrative continues. That's only for the sake of Leela. Millions of cowards are going to come. Millions of coward boys. How can they fit in Nanda's courtyard? They can't even fit if you counted them, which are it's impossible. Within the boundaries, the delimited boundaries of Brudge, as it's described in the literature. Prabhupada was once asked one of his students, he said, Prabhupada, I read the Christian book, and Prabhupada said, what do you think? He said, oh, well, I think it is a little bit, um, what did he say? Fantastic. Fantastic. And Prabhupada said, I think you are fantastic. You are, you are a fantasy. Your world of your mind is a fantasy. What you think are the possibilities hmm, of life are so limiting, so one-dimensional. You're a flatlander only. Hmm? You're a flatlander. <laughs> you have no idea. Hmm? Another devotee said, Prabhupada, how can... Nanamarsh had 900,000 cows. Now, Vrindavan is this long and this wide, and I did the calculations, and 900 cows cannot fit in Braj. And Prabhupada said, you read too much. That was his answer. Unlimited cows will come. Unlimited boys will come. How can they fit in Nanda's courtyard? The courtyard itself becomes Sakirasa. And in friendship, one thing you should know about friendship, fraternal love. In fraternal love, Unlike romantic love, there's always room for more. Can you ever have enough friends? There's always room for more friends. Because friends means like-mindedness. It's equality. You think and I think on the same page. This is one of the excellences of Sakirasa that you don't find in paternal Vatsalya Rasa. You won't find in Dasyarasa. In Dasyarasa, you've got, you got the master and you've got the servant. They're not on the same page. In a broader sense, they are. They, there's a kind, it's a kind of love and a bond there. But the master's in one frame of mind and the student's in another. In Vatsalyaras, the parent's in one state of mind and the, the child's in another. At the end of the section on Sakyarasa and Bhaktivarasa, Mitsindu Goswami says, and that's why Sakyarasa is better. Hmm? Because they're both, it's, it's defined by uh, equality. 
same as you think, I think. That's friendship. You realize <laughs> we think the same. You and I are one. We, we think the same. There's a bond. And in friendship, this type of love, there's always room for more. And there's a lot of them. Unlimited coward boys. How will they fit in Nanda's courtyard? Well, read on. Because we'll find the whole Jagat and its millions of universes. All of Vaikuntha. How big is that? We learn from this Leela, all fits within that small rural area of Brudge. How big is it? What is the nature of its bigness? It's, a, it's accommodating nature. How can it accommodate? What is the distance between physical world and mental world? It's huge. Because in the mental world, the more can be accommodated that cannot be accommodated in the physical world, right? If we go from the material world to Brahman, how accommodating is Brahman? Well, it's omnipresent, omniscient, it's pretty accommodating. If we go from Vaikuntha, excuse me, from Brahman to Vaikuntha, it looks like we're going from an, a delimited, or what would be the opposite of delimited? Unlimited. Not unlimited, but anyway, unlimited, the accommodating space hmm, to a delimited realm hmm, where there are forms, where there are shapes, and so on and so forth. Looks like it's getting smaller, but it's getting bigger. How? Because the measure of affection is greater there. Hmm? Because from Brahman we go to, from and, and from Turiya, we, we go to an extended idea of that, where there is rasa. Hmm? And if you go from Vaikuntha to Goloka, hmm? How much more accommodating is that space? In other words, what's accommodating? Just the distance or the nature of the place? I've often said, if you love someone, you will feel that you're in a, greater, a bigger space than if you were to stand on the, in the Sahara Desert, big space. If you love someone and you're living in the hollow of a tree, pretty small space, but it's big. It's not only you, there's somebody else there. But that, that somebody has made you bigger also. That other person that in love has made you bigger. And the space is more accommodating. So love is more accommodating. It's the biggest space. So that's the implication of Goloka. It looks the smallest because it, may, it, it must look that way to facilitate love. It must look small. Hmm? And Bhagwan, who is everywhere and all-knowing, must look as if he's only right here in front of me. Hmm? And he doesn't know that much. He could even learn something from me. Therefore, I can ha have intimate relationship with him. Right? So the Godhead has to take on a... Fine, the infinite has to take on a finite like appearance in order to 
interact with the finite in intimacy. Because if it doesn't, if it remains an infinite in appearance, then it will create distance between itself and the finite. So go look, go look, look small for a, for a good reason, but it's big. Hmm? We'll see. Oh, Brahma saw all the worlds, all the Vaikuntas found in here. Hmm? As I said earlier, Aishvari is a subset of the Madhurya. Or to speak of the material world, where there's no Madhurya and there's no Aishvarya. Hmm? Everything there, all the disciplines here, 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 as we go on, what you can arrive at by any spiritual discipline or religious discipline, all found in Braj. Hmm? Fulfillment of Varna, we were talking about Varna, it's fulfilled there. What the, what the Gyanis seek, what the yogis seek, it's fulfilled there and it's there and more. The yoga powers are described as being uh, on, the, on the circumference. Hmm? And the four. Dharmart, the Kama Moksha of the, of the ge geometric uh, yantra description of Golok. And they're not letting everybody in. So it's a big space. How could all the, how could all the cows fit? Oh, you have to understand what kind of place this is. How big is love and friendly love in particular, in which, as I say, there's always room for more. So here, Bhagavad says what also? I'm kind of getting a little bit ahead, but before we complete this verse, there's one other thing that's mentioned in it that's significant. He says, Vinirgato Vasta Purasharohari. After hearing, you know, he played the beautiful sound of his horn, woke up everybody. And Sukadeva is giving us this in a, in, a, in a condensed form. And the implication is, of course, they all came and they went out. But he says they, 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 they departed and with their calves going in front of them. But commenting on the, the grammar of this, finger of the Jiva Goswami is found in, the, in it, the idea, which is part of this Lila, that they went, but Krishna went alone. Krishna went alone means he went with all of his friends. Now, how can Krishna go alone if he goes with all of his friends? Who can answer? Krishna went alone, but we already know he went with all his friends. How can he do both? Like Mahaprabhu, the Kasito Mahaprabhu went to speak. Would you alone and he shake his associates and say? No. Oh, no. Okay. He kept them in his car? No. Mm -hmm. Because there were also expansions. No. Because Balaram didn't go. And Krishna Balaram <laughs> <laughs> These are the two yugal of couple of Sakyaras. How do you go ball? Kijai. Significant. He went without Balaram. And that's that's the reason that Balaram didn't go. There's external reasons for it, but it's significant in terms of the tattva here. Because we'll find this is about Brahma Vimohan Lila, how Brahma was bewildered by the by the Shakti of Krishna 
And even Balaram was bewildered by it, such is the power, he wants to say, to underscore who is Krishna, this cowherd. He is Swayam Bhagavan, he is a Gauri too. Krishna is too, Bhagavan, Swayam. So Balaram remained home, of course. Balaram had planned to go. But, you know, young boys that age, they're not watching the calendar. It's just another day. Meanwhile, the parents pulling out the calendar. And astrologically speaking, speaking it happened to be an auspicious day in Balaram's um, life. Like the day in which the constellation in which he was born appears each month. So they have a yearly birthday and, and a monthly birthday. Hmm? I mean, it's a celebratory place. What can you say? <laughs> a birthday every month. Why not? And then a grand birthday every year. Hmm? Right? So the parental affection wanted to honor this auspicious day and arrest Balaram, suppress his Sakya. Vatsalya and Sakya, they are not compatible. And we love Yashoda. But they're not compatible. But we have to understand it properly. So in the pres it means in the presence of the Vatsalya, then it will cause the Sakya to re retreat, to shrink. It can't express itself fully because of the overreach. You shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Uh -oh. So Balaam has been arrested by, by Vatsalya Prahim. And a celebration for him is, but some some relatives are going to come. Oh God, I got to sit here and the relatives and they go through all of this. And meanwhile, his mind is racing. What will they do on the picnic day? What will happen? Oh my God, this Balaram stuff. So, so Krishna went alone, without without his other self. Balaram. And then what uh, Siddhadev says, he says, next verse, there's verse one. He says, he says, he says uh, just read the, the boys, and we discussed this already. Numbered in the thousands. Commentators have looked at it and said, this thousand means this means asankhya, unlimited. Unlimited cows, in this case calves, unlimited calves, unlimited boys. They came from all corners of Braj. This is a time when, as I said, the cowards are moving between Vrindavan and Nandagram, that area here and there, and gradually, uh, establishing permanent residences. So we'll culminate in Nandamar establishing a permanent residence residence in, in Nandishwar. Uh, Sri Dham and his family will be in Rishabhangapur, Barsana, and so forth. So they're coming from all corners, right? Millions of them. And they all fit. It's an offense to think that the Dham is a limited geographical area, even as we describe its breadth and width. You understand? The description of the breadth and the width is for the sake of the, the, the apparent delimited nature 
That's for the sake of really love. But if we look carefully, we see, as I'm explaining, it has no limits. Love has no limits in terms of what it can accommodate. And here we have finer, the, the highest forms of brain. So the boys came in the millions and zillions and, and they were and they were affectionate. <laughs> it means they came with love in their hearts. How their hearts were beating. It's another way of saying what was said the other day. They were they were forms of happiness to the eyes of, of, of Krishna and Balaram, extensions of their own selves bringing happiness to them, bringing joy to them. This is rasa. You need the object of love and you need the love personified, the two interacting. They're one, different at the same time. This is a, this is a ching tibay tibay. The coward boys in this case, the, the vessels of the love, Krishna and Balaram, the objects of love and the two becoming one. So those boys are forms of, of Krishna Balaram's happiness. And their, their affectionate hearts correspond with the hearts of Krishna and Balaram. They brought, they came with affectionate hearts. They brought lunch bags hmm, and ropes, sticks, horns. So you start starting to describe different Udipanas of, of Sakirasa. Hmm. Flutes. Placing their calves, millions of calves in front of them, they departed and entered into the, as we've already described, into the uh, domicile of uh, Mars. The boys, verse three, assembled their calves with Krishna's calves, which were also innumerable, <laughs> while grazing them, they sported here and there, playing different games. So he's giving you know, a broad, he's describing it kind of like sutras. They went out, they played. Obviously he's not playing out the, all the issues, how they went to the edge of the forest, the edge of the pasture and the parental love followed them. And all the, the, the daily affair of Yasoda trying to keep him back and finally acquiescing and allowing him to go and how touching that scene is and how the poets have, have played that out in so many verses again and again in such a beautiful setting. Krishna's friends pulling away from, from their parents who they love as their sakiras causes their love to more now be centered on one another rather than on their parents. Not that they don't love the parents, but now they have a new center for their love. It's like you can think back and think, who are your friends in your childhood? How early are you going to think? Who are your friends when you were three years old? You're not going to remember them. Six years old, maybe you may seven, maybe you start to remember them. So in Poganda, you can see that your love center shifts from being centered on the parents, centered on friends. All these boys came, right, into Nandamarsh's courtyard. They have their own parents, which are extensions of their own their own Sakibhav. But they also accept Mother Yasoda as their, as their mother. And she accepts all of them as their sons. Like I said, every gopa and every gopi. She knows every one of them and she knows just what, they, what their favorite dish is. 
if she sees one and can grab, she would immediately grab one, put them on her lap and ask the gopi, tell me, what has he done to you? What has he said? Did my son said anything to you? Has he mistreated you? You've come all this way to cook. I saw him giving you some looks. Tell me, you can speak to me. Or to the coward boys. She'll put him on the lap immediately. She's going to lose her son, who's going to go cow herding. But she had gained all these other sons as well. At least for the morning, they've come. And at night, they'll return. And she's comforted to some extent by the fact that, well, at least he has good friends. They're pious. I know their parents. And they're good people. Rishabhanu, Raj. Sridham, this one, that one. Such a beautiful place. So they'll pack their lunch, their breakfast, if this is the case, and they'll go in the millions into the forest to herd. Oh, it's already been offered. Okay. So we, we, we come to the end of this section here, we're skipping ahead. Oh, it's further described. They, they'll go out and they, they are dressed. The parents have dressed, the mothers have dressed them with pearls and emeralds and rubies, and all types of uh, ornaments that by certain criterion would be considered valuable. But the boys go into the forest and they redecorate themselves with flowers and, and different colored earth. They paint things on their faces. They take berries like the Bunja berry and make necklaces and earrings out of them. And they're great artisans. They decorate one another fully and they don't know the difference. There's no sense as to what's, the pearls are more valuable than Bunja berries, my God. Hmm? Diamonds are more valuable. They don't have any sense like this. Whatever is valuable, it's just according to their fancy. Whatever they, if they think it's more valuable, it's more valuable. And if they think it's more valuable, they immediately show it to Krishna. Or they'll bring home from the forest something and say, this is a nice ornament. Mother go, oh, yeah, I, mean, I got pearls for you. I mean, okay. So they adorn themselves, they adorn Krishna and, and Balaram. And of course, he's not present on this particular occasion, but uh, on a regular basis. And then they play. And so some descriptions given us the day about their playing. Hmm. In, in, in. How they'll steal one another's lunches, steal Krishna's lunch. One boy will steal Krishna's lunch. Hmm. Some will steal someone other, another boy's lunch and they'll pass it around and he can't catch it. Hmm. And Krishna will orchestrate the whole thing with his eyebrows, as if he's not involved. And that boy will look at Krishna. They've taken my lunch. And then Krishna will look at him. His tears, the rain of his tears, and the cloud in his mind will part. And the sun and his smile will come out. In the circle of all, all of his friends and all of his... All of his uh, the drama of his distress will be it, evaporate. And the special and affectionate glance of Krishna that is, is a result of it will be the fruit of the moment. And they'll steal Krishna's lunch, one boy. And Krishna comes from a rich family, comparatively. The welfare is unknown. 
Uh, desire trees, Kamadenus, Kalpabriksha, is described. Right? Still, Krishna is more wealthy. He's, he's the son of the king of the cowherds. So, what would his lunch be? So, one would steal that lunch and find all those nice edibles. This is on a typical day. This day, I was sure to the cooking. That's another thing. Then, then his lunch would be a little ordinary. Chapati, sabji. Krishna will eat that. Sit next to him. I'll eat your lunch. You eat my lunch. In this way. So that it tries to describe something about them. This is Krishna sometimes will wander a little bit from the main group, just looking at the at the beauty of the forest, and then they'll run after him. And say, I'll touch him first. No, I'll touch him first. And each one touches him first in their own minds. And then what? Well, Sukadev describes their fun further and comes to a conclusion about it to end this section over several verses. Though they, they imitated the monkeys by climbing in the tree, swinging from tree to tree, pretended to be yogis, live it like yogis. Monkeys are like yogis. Yogis live in the forest. They only eat fruits and so forth. One is in Tamagorn, the other in Satvagorn. Both ends of the spectrum, they have some similarities. In a, in a sense, in the context of the Sakharas, they're dismissing yoga, making fun of it. Other will play leapfrog and pretend to levitate as they jump. And they can do it. Make fun of it. another yoga city. It's Yoda's yoga compared to what we're doing. This is implied in all of these uh, Affairs. They'll shout into the wells, Narayan, or into a cave, Narayan, and the sound will come back, Narayan, and then they'll chant, Narayan. This is Bhadi Bhakti Kirtan of Narayan. <laughs> like this, they'll do all these things. And implied in that, is what are all these things compared to what we're doing, what, what we're, where we've arrived? And this is, of course, uh, as we get to it, Sukadev's uh, conclusion. Hmm? You look at their own reflections in the water and sit there and do ahangrapasana, self-worship, looking at the reflection. Hmm? This is a small, this is, a, this is nothing. We can do that too. We're beyond that also, such as our, such as our position. Hmm? This is what, there's, what it's implicitly saying to us. And itam satam brahmasukhan bhutya dasyam gatanum paradevatena maashitena naradarakena sakam bijahu kutapundapunja. This is where Sukadev almost passes out. In the end, he, the next chapter, of course, he will. But 
he, he, he's seeing this in his mind's eye as he's describing it to Bridget Marge. What is the, what kind of relationship these boys have with Krishna? And he, he says, he who is the object of attainment for the jnanis, like I used to be a jnani, that Brahman, that you can't say anything about, it's everywhere and all knowing. knowing. He who is worshipped in, in, in Vaikuntha by Vaidhi Bhakti, he ordinary people think is just an ordinary person. These boys are associated. He, he is that Brahman. He is that Narayan. And his ordinary look is so human-like that it deceives ordinary people. What does the Gita say? Mm. See, I need to study Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita, Kejai. Yeah. He says, what is that verse? Fools think, anyway. That I am an ordinary person. They don't know who I, they, they see me. Like this, with two arms, Dvibhuj Krishna. <clears throat> they see me driving Arjun's chariot, taking him around, Parthasarati. There's my love for him. They don't see me. They don't understand who I am. They're covered by my maya. So Sukadeva is saying, ordinary people can't see him at all. Spiritual people worship his majestic form and don't understand it either. Other people want to enter Brahman, they don't understand. He is the, that is his halo. That's his aura. Hmm? These boys are acting in this way with him hmm? as equals. Hmm? He says, he marvels, what, what have they done to attain this position? Hmm? They've come from different places, the fact is. Two groups coming from sadhana, from earth, through sadhana, taking birth in the Prakat Leela, from Devalok, having gone there by imperfect practice of bhakti. You can go there by perfect practice of Varnashram, but by imperfect practice of bhakti. Gita says you can go there, and if you if you happen to be there, you're there for a different reason than those who have aimed to go there. So you're a special person there. And if Krishna should perform his prakat lila while you're there, you can come from there and join him and perfect your yoga. Instead of having normal case, we come back down again, start again, pick up where you left off, born in the pious family family of transcendentalists uh, and so forth this is a special occasion so these two from heaven from earth two types of sadhakas and nityasiddhas coming with them these are the kind of boys hmm, who are there hmm. what are the nityasiddhas and what are those who, who have followed in the wake of their bow followed their example hmm. how did they get there Sugadev wants to know how did they get there Pitapunya punja what did they do what kind of here? Punya means beautiful. Hmm? The ordinary meaning is pious activities. What kind of 
But if you study the Bhagavatam, you know, well, it's not by pious activities you can get to Goloka Vrindavan. <laughs> you can go to heaven and come back down. <laughs> so Punya also means beautiful. What, what, he's saying, what kind of beautiful things they must have done to attain such a beautiful end? Because the means and the ends, they correspond. Mm -hmm. If they attain such a beautiful means, end, what kind of beautiful practice did they undergo? Mm -hmm. That must be a very extraordinary thing. Yes, Rupa Goswami says, it is by Mahatkripa only. By Mahatkripa only they can come. This Rag Bhakti can only get from such a Mahatma who has that, his to her grace falls upon us. Then it's possible. Not by any other means. And they are giving of their grace. That is a very beautiful thing. They are the Kripa Shakti of Bhagwan. Manifestation, the fullest manifestation of his, of his compassion. And it extends, in this case, to ordinary people, touching them. Sukadeva is marveling at this. What, and, what, and it is, what a beautiful thing is sadhana bhakti, if you understand it, how beautiful that is. Just to be a sadhaka, what does Mahaprabhu say? You get a sadhaka daya, you get a spiritual body. You know that word? Diksha kali. When you do diksha, you do atma samarpanam. When you get diksha, it means atma samarpanam. Guru gives diksha, disciple does atma samarpanam. Give myself. Self surrender. Right? And then what does he say? Say, Kari Krishna Kari I consider that. Yeah. And then? The same. And he says, they get a body that is like Punananda. Anandamai means it's the beginning of the spiritualization of the spiritual body. A sadhaka is not a siddha, but it's he, he or she is not a buddha jiva either. Someone of spiritual consequence has spoken for them. That that will have it's not what you know, it's who you know. Of course, if you know the right person, then you will what you'll know will be loud also. You'll know how to love because they'll share love with you. That you know. Love is unconditional. My condition was my standing. But she gave me standing. He gave me standing in this. Patiently. Sadhana bhakti. Sadhaka. To be a sadhaka. This is, this is, and it's, and, it, and you say, Maharaj Gurudev, how many lives sadhana will I have to do until I can attain the perfection? You're not doing sadhana then if you ask that question. Mahaprabhu says, Mama Janmani Janmanishvare, Babatad Bhakti Rahoi Tukitri. This is sadhana in Ruchi. He's not asking that question. The answer is, well, in one life you will go. <laughs> in one life. Which one? <laughs> In the one where you don't ask this question because you're actually doing sadhana. And, and therefore, you're desiring only bhakti because you, you're experiencing what bhakti is about 
you you fixed your ideal and you're getting a taste for that. Hmm? And what do you want? Only more of the same. Hmm? bhakti, sadhana bhakti, that's just more of the same, like a like an unripe man mango to 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 a ripe one, to one that's just fallen off the tree, it's so ripe. That's sweet. So this is sadhana, it's very, very beautiful. Sukadev knew the goal has to correspond with the means. It must be very beautiful. It cannot be these other types of things. And it cannot be the karma where there's an exchange. I'll give you this if you give me that. What do you think? This is like a child's love. Give me, give me. Say please. Please. Okay. Say thank you. Okay. This is a childish love, karma. There's no real love. In Vrindavan, when we were young, we went to Vrindavan through Loy Bazaar one year. Next year, we brought economy to the people, buying things for the deities, things for the devotees, and so forth. <laughs> After a couple of years, then the shopkeeper would have a picture of Prabhupada in the, in the shop. And we'd think, oh, he's a devotee of Prabhupada. Yes, 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 I'm devotee of Prabhupada also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you love the Prabhupada. You love Prabhupada because if I love Prabhupada, they'll buy something from me. This is this is this is karma. It's not bad, but it's hardly the full face of love, right? Karma is not beautiful. Is gyan beautiful? No. Well, it's not a beautiful thing at all. The way to attain it is very ugly. You have to look ugly. <laughs> you cannot wear a nice simple flowing white robe like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or an art mission dress of a sannyasi the ladies dress is very beautiful you have to cover yourself in ashes you can't cut your fingernails you have to let your hair grow out not as a fashion some guy <laughs> to attract <laughs> yeah, the opposite sex to keep people away because in Gyan you can't have any friends how beautiful is that in yoga you can't have any friends Kita says you have to go alone you can't sit too high you can't sit too low oh god all these rules you have to twist yourself like this like that where there are rules there are no love where there's love there are no rules and in Braj there's no rules for those boys how they interact with Krishna. Hmm? Sometimes they serve him, sometimes he serves them. Hmm? That is Sakyas. Subhadeva was seeing this. It's not by Jnana that get there. It's not by karma that they get there. What about Vaidhi Bhakti? Hmm? In Vaidhi Bhakti, there's the object of love object of worship, I should say, and the worship. And there's a distance between the two. You can't get too close. There's a distance between, there's actual worship, there's worship. In worship, there means there's an object of worship and there's the worshiper. In love, that is bridged, the object uh, that was the what, that which was the object of worship, and the worshiper, in love, become one. Hmm? 
they become one. He's seen this. He says, it can't be Vaidhivakt, it can't be Gyan, it can't be Karma. We speak of ordinary material like ordinary people think. Who, who is this boy, this, this Krishna? Who are these boys? What, how did they? It must be a very beautiful thing that they did to attain such a beautiful thing. That is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did he say? Thank you.